Welcome to Chat About, sponsored today by Higgins Heating, Air Conditioning, and Refrigeration, the Bemidji Chrysler Center Honda of Bemidji, and Beltrami Electric Cooperative. On today's show, we check in with the Sheriff of Beltrami County, Jason Riggs. Yes, a couple of big events on Red Lake to talk about, but there's a lot more to discuss with Jason as well. It's all coming up next on Chat About. Sheriff Jason, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Kev. Well, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the big stories of the uh, of the county right now, and that, of course, is a couple of incidents this past week on Red Lake. Yeah. Let's start with the ice one. Uh, this is the second time in, what, six months something like this has happened? Uh, second time this year within the last, I think, two weeks we've had to oh. uh, go up there. Um, and, and then there was a, a big one last spring, I believe, too, one of the last ice fishing weekends. Uh, you know that's a good point. I think it was last fall. We had oh, last it was yeah, it was last fall. Okay, it was right before I took office, I remember that because Sheriff Beidle was uh, having to do a lot of press on that one. That was where they ended up having to rescue like almost like two hundred people off the yes. lake that day. And it was kind of the same thing. Wind came up, it broke off and floated away. That's exactly what happens up there. So, um, how do we? stop this from happening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that there is a way to stop it. Uh, nature is going to uh, take its course uh, any way you look at it. Uh, Red Lake, um, if you think about it from a perspective of what it is, it's it's two very large bodies of water. Um, and it, it's very, very shallow on the north end of the upper or on upper Red Lake and forms ice really quickly. Um, it forms good ice if we don't have, you know, snow. Mm-hmm. Um, but what ends up happening is, is because there's all of that water, it takes a long time for the, uh, the lakes to solidify to the point where the ice becomes locked together, uh, because it doesn't freeze in just one gigantic sheet at one given time. There's, you know, there's different depths, there's different, you know, uh, streams, if you would will, and, and it would be. Um, to the point where around the shores, obviously, on most lakes, it's where it freezes first, right? Mm-hmm. Shallower. Um, so on this particular incident this last Sunday, um, there's 10 inches of ice out there in, in many spots. Um, but it's my understanding that um, to get out to the spot where they were fishing, they had to cross over a, a number of man-made bridges over some cracks, and then the wind comes up Sunday evening, out of the northwest, and, you know, we had 40-mile-an-hour gusts that day. Mm-hmm. So it ends up moving this uh, huge uh, block of ice around and ultimately separated the cracks to the point where there was about 100 yards of difference between the main body of ice where people had accessed the their, their fishing location and mm-hmm. the floating chunk that was moving away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that and, and, you know, that's a good point. I mean, 10 inches of ice, that... That seems fairly safe, but, yeah, but not it, necessarily. Right. The, no, w- w- you know, we at the sheriff's office say that n- no amount of ice is 100% safe. You know, there are recommendations for walking on. You know, we recommend four inches to walk on, you know, five, six, seven inches to drive, uh, uh, you know, an ATV on. Um, and then, you know, 12 and above for, you know, smaller vehicles, um, you know, those are the recommendations. Those aren't necessarily saying that you're going to be 100% safe on the ice. Yeah. Um, because there's just no way to gauge what happens under the ice. There are springs. There is, you know, things that occur where, you know, 
natural anomalies that occur that we just don't have that control over. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so describe what had to be done on Sunday. Yeah, so five to five in the EM uh, in the PM, mm-hmm. um, we get the call that fishermen are stranded up there. Uh, Beltrami County Sheriff's Office sent three deputies up that way to assist uh, Kellier Fire and Rescue, um, uh, Kellier First Responders, um, the DNR, Black Deck Ambulance. And then personnel from resorts up there were assisting as well. And so, I mean, you're talking about a large production of people to come up and uh, safely remove uh, folks from the ice um, to get them back to a point where they can cross back onto land. Uh, They weren't in any immediate danger per se, like the the sheet wasn't going to capsize or anything like that. But, um, you know, as they were moving further and further away from from the, from land, mm-hmm. it becomes a little bit more, you know, treacherous. And so, we're thankful that uh, Kellier Fire and Rescue have equipment. We're thankful for the Minnesota DNR that they have equipment. And ultimately, what it ended up happening was uh, Minnesota DNR have an airboat that we station uh, mm-hmm. it, around this area uh, this time of the year. And uh, our conservation officer up there, Bryce Fulbrook, he was able to shuttle. Uh, two and three people off at a time and move them uh, back and forth. So Okay. And then you, you had another incident a couple of weeks before that. Yeah, it was a couple of fishermen. Uh, it was They had went up there. The resorts weren't, uh, and resorts still aren't allowing people to spend the night out there. So uh, they themselves decided to go out off of the North End uh, Public Road and uh, camp on their own. And then sometime in the early morning, they decided, or late, yeah, early morning, they decided to uh, call law enforcement and say that they, they couldn't get off. And uh, Kellier Fire had to go back up there again and, and, and take a couple off that were camping uh, against the better judgment of, of uh, the resorts. Yeah. So. Okay. And then Tuesday, we had an incident with a plane. Yes. Um, that was kind of scary. Yeah, well, initially, you know, we, we were... I was given a very initial brief at about 9.30, 9.45 that said a plane just crashed into Red Lake. And I'm like, we've got people up there. They're like, yep, we're sending people up. And then come to find out that the plane did not crash. Uh, mm-hmm. That's I know that's that's one of the things that's going around right now, that we had a plane crash. That's not the case at all. This was uh, an angler from Iowa and an angler from uh, Cohasset, Minnesota, uh, that were... Uh, using a plane to access the lake. They did a south shore flyover, determined that they were going to land on the lake, and ultimately did. And because of the fact that there's no snow, they had a difficult time stopping. And so the plane actually slid into an area that had about one to two inches of ice, and the nose went through. Mm, Okay. So the plane landed just went to an area that wasn't 100% safe to land on. And and how deep was the water at that area, do you know? I don't know the exact water depth uh, at that location. Um, my understanding from the personnel that were on scene, it was a very small, isolated area of thin ice. Uh, they estimated the size to be about 8 foot by 8 foot. That was very thin. So I'm guessing that that was a crack 
uh, cracked area that had frozen up overnight or maybe over a couple of nights. Okay. All right. And everybody got out and everything was good. Yep. Both occupants of the plane were safe. Um, they're making arrangements uh, to get the plane out. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure uh, I was talking to a pilot friend of mine who said the consequences of that is uh, pretty hefty from the FAA. So uh, mm. <laughs> I don't know if it was worth avoiding the lake access or not, the, yeah. the lake access fees or not. So. Yeah. <laughs> The things, the next thing that's uh, coming up in the jail story is we're gonna we're gonna own that land as of Friday. Beltrami County is correct. Yes, we are closing uh, Friday uh, this week. Um, it's a, I would call it a uh, one of our monumental hurdles to get over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's uh, the land acquisition has been you know challenging, obviously, from some of our earlier uh, time this year and and. Uh, thankful for the donation from Fank Handles for the yeah. property that we have. And all of our uh, subtesting has been done when it comes to the, the ground, the archaeological, the, the soil borings, all that stuff came back to be advantageous for a build site for the facility. And so we are closing on Friday. Okay. And uh, then we have some contracts to do after that before we can actually get rolling, but it's going to happen. We're going to start rolling in yep. 2024. Yep. So we were, you know, I've been asked this question numerous times. What's What are, what are the processes that we're doing right now? We're in our second design phase of our jail. Um, that'll be wrapped up here probably uh, by the end of December, first part of January, and we'll move into final phase design with our architect at that point. Okay. So we're trying to nail, before we go into that final phase of, of architecture, we're trying to get into like, what are the things that are going to be beneficial workflow and things like that? Because we do not want change orders as the the process continues into the next phase because change orders typically mean expense. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. You're ready for this? <laughs> you know, Become sheriff, they said, and I know I sought that out. So that's not uh, that's you know, it's one of those things. But it, I will tell you this, Kev, we are going through a records management uh, update right now, where we're switching our RMS vendors and uh, this jail project, and it has consumed thousands of hours of myself and our staff this, yeah. for this thing. So this is a, a this is a pretty big undertaking. I just ask that people be patient with yeah. me. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we got a couple holiday weekends coming up. A lot of people going to be on the roads. It is, and it's the way, the way that the weather is right now. Uh, I mean, it is phenomenal as far as like if you want to get out and do things right now. Unless you're really a big snow lover, um, yeah. this is probably going to be a brown Christmas. Yeah. Um, I'm, I know we're kind of tracking some some rainy uh, stuff, maybe at or about Christmas Day that has the potential once a cold spell moves in to turn into either freezing rain or snow, and it's probably going to be treacherous as far as road conditions go. So just urge people to take the extra time, slow down, and get to your holiday destinations very safely. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, we don't Yeah, we don't need bad news on the holidays. No, no, especially not on the holidays. This is a, you know, it's going to be a lot of people on the roads because – this is just, you know, people travel uh, and we tend to, you know, take for granted. It's We, we do it every day and, you mm-hmm. know, and 
we haven't had a lot of snow yet this year, and so people tend to forget how to winter drive, it seems like, and, you know. Yeah. We just want to make sure that everyone's safe. All right. Well, your budget is set now for 2024. The levy was approved uh, at the the, uh, Beltrami County Board. Um, How much of that is new to you, and how much of that do you – do you love or hate? <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually start our budget season, and the common joke is is we start our budget season way back in June. Yeah. And so it is just nonstop uh, things to do, you know. And so we're, we're looking at where can we trim the fat, so to say, um, out of our budgets here and there because there are expenses that come up, and it seems like every year there's something, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the Board of Commissioners sets their their initial budget uh, for the 2024 season uh, in September. And then from September to the last meeting in December, we've got that amount of time to look at trying to trim more. We can't add to it from September to December, but we can trim more. And so things come up. We look at what we can do to, you know, expense-wise. There are some, you know, expenses that we know of. Our out-of-county housing placement is – you know, astronomical. It's through the roof. We're looking at, you know, probably one and a half million dollars uh, for 2023. And we're projecting that to go into, you know, the next couple of years until this new facility is built as well. And so that's a budgeted item. Um, one of the things that was not budgeted this year was our jail medical had an increase of almost 100%. So we went from a company, um, that we had had a contract with for five years who decided to raise their rate exponentially by 100%. Mm-hmm. And we were thankfully able to find uh, uh, another company that typically doesn't work in Minnesota. But um, with that transition, we were able to keep our local nurses attached. We were able to transition to this other company and save about $25,000 off of the what would have been with the second company. So, I mean, I've got to now find about $450,000 in my budget that was already set that I didn't have money for. So there are going to be some growing pains trying to figure that out. How much of that did you have to deal with before you were sheriff? Zero. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a learning curve. It has been very much a learning curve. And it's not just field operations that spends money. The jail is actually our biggest driver of costs. Um, you know, I have roughly uh, 114 employees that work for the sheriff's office. And so anytime there's a cost of living increase, anytime someone gets, you know, uh, a step increase, those are all budgetary impacts that, uh, you know, I I had that in the back of my mind, but it really wasn't at the forefront. I, you know, as a field operations commander, I was more concerned about buying bullets at a cheaper price, mm-hmm. buying cars at a cheaper price, buying, you know, fuel at a cheaper price. You know, now it's, what do we do to limit expenses all around? And that's, you know, you you don't want to decrease service to a service that's substandard. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we provide very good service for what we have, um, but that's always in the, foref- the forefront of your mind when you're looking at having to provide a service 24-7, 365 days a year. Yeah. You know, so... Can I decrease the number of staff that I have? Not really. I mean, that's one of those things where if we do that, the public is going to feel that 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's going to be, and then things get less safe when we decrease in, in, in staff and size. And, you know, with the Minnesota Department of Corrections saying you need X amount of staff to have these certain amount of inmates in your facility, I don't get to just decrease staff in the jail. Yeah. can't decrease staff in dispatch. We're, we're operating on a shoestring, you know, schedule as it is. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but I, I suppose it is nice to, to know that the budget is set, know what you have to work with. It is. And proceed forward. It is. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, we sit down, the administration sits down and we look at where, where can we cut here and there? Do we have to cut a car this year? Well, we can. We can cut a car this year. And that's going to cut, you know, say $70,000 out of the budget. That's vehicle at a stated price and all the equipment that goes with it. But when we do that, that has a a downstream effect in the amount of time that and effort, amount of time and and miles and wear and tear on a vehicle that we would utilize, you know, three, four, or five years down the road because you're you're adding that strain on the other vehicles that are still in the fleet. Yeah. Okay. So, but those are you know we would rather keep our people than our equipment, and so that's what we're looking at right now. Are there any um, any things we should be looking for as far as programs or things you're going to be doing in 2024 besides building a new jail? <laughs> right. That's, you know, everyone's looking at that. But, it, you know, as far as like what services provide, that's a huge service to our community. Um, I would really like to uh, add a community service uh, deputy to our budget. We did get some public safety aid money that's going to be utilized um, over the next, you know, several years for um, operating costs for, you know, maintaining service. Some of those operating costs, like the out-of-county housing placement, um, jail medical, those will be absorbed by a lot of that funding. Uh, But I did get preliminary approval from the board to put on a position for uh, three years for a community service deputy. Um, We'll just have to see if those funds, now that we've had this significant increase could still be absorbed into that or if they'll have to be absorbed into gel medical. And so that's something that we're really fighting hard right now to keep. And this deputy would go be more of a liaison to the community. They're not going to be necessarily a call taker. Not that they can't take calls. They will take calls that are emergent, but they're not going to be taking the, the mailbox damages and the dog barking and the you know the, the rudimentary day-to-day things. They're going to be dealing with more of the public side of things when I can't. So they're going to be a, a direct uh, response from, from my office. So. Okay. Um, as we get ready for the holiday season, something I just wanted to bring up with you um, because I just happened to stumble across a picture from Lake Bemidji Bed and Breakfast's Facebook page of the Thanksgiving meal they have for all the, you know, uh, emergency workers on. And there was several sheriff's deputies and fire department and city police and EMTs and all of those people. And that doesn't even count the people who are on staff at the hospital those days. Um, You know, we don't think about that, but there are a ton of people out there working on those holidays. There are. Many of them are your employees. Many of them, and I was one of them at one time. Yeah. So I know exactly. I was just talking to one of your one of your folks here about that. You know, for half of my career or two thirds, I work Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, and it's important to think about those folks too because they're out there doing what they you know public safety, and that's there's firemen, there's EMS, like you said, there's hospital staff, law enforcement. Um, 
even going down to like gas stations. Think sure. about them, mm-hmm. folks. You know, they're not getting that praise, but they're open for us. So when we travel, we have a place to stop and use the restroom, get a cup of coffee, grab fuel. You know, so think about them, folks, as uh, you're enjoying your time off. Yeah, yeah, and let, and look, I hope. I hope it's very quiet for them. Obviously, we all hope it's very quiet for them. But that's that's important stuff because things happen. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Sheriff, before we wrap it up today? I think we're good. All right. That's Sheriff Jason Riggs of Beltrami County. Sheriff, thanks for being here. Have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You as well. Chatabout has been sponsored by First National Bank Bemidji, the Bemidji Chrysler Center Honda of Bemidji, and Beltrami Electric Cooperative. Tomorrow on Chatabout, Sheriff Jason Riggs is in, and yes, we will ask him about planes and anglers on Upper Red Lake. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. As always, thank you for joining us.